Hey, I, uh, I, 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 what I want to do, I know, I know many times, because you, you know, you've got May, you've got Mother's Day, and then, and then June, you got Father's Day. And I know many times, you know, women, they, they, they leave, you know, Mother's Day feeling really encouraged and stuff. And many times, men, you know, we go to Father's Day, and then we leave, we leave kind of discouraged. And, and I, that's not what I want to do today. I, I, I believe that God has placed a calling on every single one of our lives. And, and I believe that God desires to equip you men to be the man of God that he desires you to be. And I know, I know all of us here, we've made mistakes and maybe, you know, we feel like we do, do a better job here, do a better job there. And I know it's easy to get beat up. And, 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 and I believe that the word of God encourages us to do what God calls us to do in our lives. So, so what I want to do is today... Um, as we're as we're, we're just looking at marriage and family in, in this series of messages that we've been looking at, make sure that you, 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 if you missed any of the messages, you can go back. The last couple, of me- the first one we did um, on marriage last week, we were talking about parenting and the different seasons of your life, from young to teen to to empty nesters to grandparents. Make sure you you listen to that message. You go right online to listen to that, or iTunes, or. Uh, if you have an ad Android, you can pick those up also on a great thing that I use called Player FM. It will upload everything to your phone, and you can get all the messages every week. So I would encourage you to go back and, and, and listen to those. But what I want to focus on today is I want to look at what the Word of God has to say of what it means to be a man of God. And what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of do a flyover of First and Second Peter. What I love about First and Second Peter is, is what, what, what these scriptures are speaking to is a relationship that the Apostle Paul had with Timothy. And, and what we know through scriptures is Timothy was, was kind of timid, and he was a pastor, and he's leading churches. And, and Paul is literally speaking and pouring his life into him on what it means to be a man of God. That's why I love First and Second Timothy, because it really speaks on what our calling is, as, as men of God. So we're going to kind of do a flyover of those passages. And I, I know, listen, I know if we were to look at our backgrounds, I, I know that many of you here today, maybe you had a good example of a father, some of you not so good. And so I, I understand all the backgrounds that we have here today and everything that's represented. But I, I want you to know that it's never too late, that it's never too late to step up to the plate and be the man that God has called you to be, even though maybe you didn't have a great example of, of maybe a godly father or what it meant to lead your family. Um, I believe that it's, it's never too late for God to do that work in your heart. And I know, listen, last week was, was very important to me because I, I asked you last week to fill out prayer cards to pray for your children. And I want to show you how many cards came in last week of all the names of all your kids that we were praying for. And I want you to know that last Tuesday night, we prayed for every single one of these names by name. We lifted them up before the Lord. And what I said to the prayer group on Tuesday when we looked at these, um, we all have needs and we all have struggles in our lives. And that's what these, these, all these prayer cards represent. And we are the family of God. We are a church that should care about each other, that care about our needs. So I'm going to keep these prayer cards and we're going to continue to pray and believe that God is going to do a work in your family's life, that God is going to do a work in your children's life. We have the most powerful tool to, to help us, and that's prayer, that God is on our side, that God wants to move on our side. So um, this just, you know, when I read through these, it just represents 
what we're going through and, and, and the struggles that our families are going through. So how many know we all go through struggles? That, that, that behind the curtain, right, is, is a lot of struggles and a, and a lot of pains. And God sees that and he knows that. And my prayer for our church is that we would look behind the curtain to our struggles and our pains and that we would be there for each other and praying for each other. That church, why am I talking about? This is just totally off rambling right now. But let me just say this real quick because this is just for you nine o'clock people. Listen, listen. We come into church so many times and we think we have to have it all together. Right? We think we have to you know, say the right Christian words and you know, well, everything's wonderful, praise the Lord. But how many know that we're all hurting and we have struggles in our family and God cares about those things, the church should care about those things and we want to pray about those things. So I realize you men, you come in here with a lot of struggles and if we're to be brutally honest with ourselves, there's temptations that we struggle with, there's all these things that we struggle with, then we come to church and then we feel like, well, I don't want to feel more guilty, that's why I don't want to go to church. If I want to feel guilty, I'll just go play golf or I'll do something else, right? And so that's not what we want to have. We want you to come and we want you to feel like God God wants to pull you out of that dark cave because he wants to bring healing and he wants to show you what he desires in your life, not to make you go deeper into a dark cave and, 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 and to hide those things in your lives. God wants to bring those out so he can heal you and be the man of God that he called you to be. That was absolutely free for you. Um, so you're welcome, all right? You're welcome. So what I want to do is I, I want to look at one example of manhood is all about by by going through first uh, and second uh, Timothy and and it's interesting because second Timothy Paul is writing at the end of his life and and I like what people say at the end of their lives because they have a different perspective don't they the the older you get the the, the more your perspective change doesn't it for those of you that are old like me you understand this right. You're looking back now and you get more sentimental and the things that you used to think were so important in your 20s and 30s are like, why did I make such a big deal about that? Why was that so important? I thought achieving this thing would bring me satisfaction and, and, and bring me life. But looking back now, it really isn't that big of a deal. And how many know the older you get, the more important relationships become? The more important right relationships become, the less those things lose their attractiveness that we thought were so important. And we look at those pursuits as almost vanity in a way. And Paul is looking back at the end of his life. And so he writes to Timothy. That's what I love about 2 Timothy because he's writing at the end of his life and he's pouring into Timothy. Timothy, these are the things I want you to look at as a young pastor. Don't overlook these things. And I don't want your life to go by you For you to look back and say, man, I could have made a change here, and I didn't. And so I want us to look at our lives and be accountable to these things to allow God to do a work in our lives. Now, as a pastor, I do a lot of funerals, and it's interesting when you do a lot of funerals. You hear a lot of eulogies and people speaking about the deceased and how their life mattered and what are the things that they did. And I always always think to myself, well, what, what would I want you know, people to, to say about me, you know, yeah, I don't know if you've ever thought, I don't mean to be morbid, but, but think for a moment, what, what, what are the things that you want to be remembered for? And I believe Paul in writing this in second Timothy, he's like, right, Timothy, these are the things that you need to be remembered for. These are the things that you need to see important. These are the things that are important to me that I want to pass on to you. And so what Paul does is he points to his own life And as an example, and he allows his life to be an example for Timothy to follow. So let's first, we're going to kind of jump 
back and forth from 2 Timothy to 1 Timothy. But I want to first look at 2 Timothy 4, 7. And if you've got your Bibles, you can open up to those. And we're going to kind of be flipping back, back and forth. And let me just say this. The Bibles that, that are in the chairs, if you don't have a Bible, those are your gift. Those are free. If you need a Bible, if you want to follow along today, you can use those and keep those. If you need a Bible, that's our, our gift for you. So let's look at some. First, let me, let me jump off this um, platform with 2 Timothy 4, 7. Here Paul's looking at the end of his life and this is what he says to Timothy. He says this, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Now, is Paul being braggadocious there? No, he's not. Let me, let me tell you what Paul is saying. Paul is trying to encourage him by saying, this is what I've done. Paul's not saying he was perfect. And Paul's not saying he didn't make mistakes. This is coming from a man who didn't live a perfect life and made many mistakes. Because this is what he says, jumping back into 1 Timothy in the first chapter. This is what he says to young Timothy. He says, here's a trustworthy saying in 1 Timothy 1.15 that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Everybody say amen. amen, right? He says, of whom I am, what? The worst. He, he's, he's realizing in his life, he persecuted Christians. Uh, uh, he, he had this pursuit to come against anyone who believed in Christ, wanted them put to death. And this was his life. He, he realized that his pursuit for God before he knew Jesus was all about himself and, and self-righteousness and his own works. And he realized that he was a sinner of whom he says he is the worst. Because Paul's life before Christ was persecuting the church and he understood that the grace by which he was saved and he understood that he still needed uh, God's grace. And this should give us all hope that it's never too late. So Paul's not trying to say he was perfect. Paul said, I made a lot of mistakes. But he's saying, Timothy, listen, I kept the faith. I did, I did what God called me. I did my best to follow and serve the Lord. So what is a man of God? And that is what I want to be remembered as. I want to be remembered as a man of God. See, I want us to see this morning that God uses messy people. God used Paul, who had a messy background, yet God used him for his purposes and his glory. And there are so many little nuggets of truth that are found in these two books that will help us to become better leaders for Christ. And what I love about these letters is Paul actually calls Timothy a man of God. Now, was, was Timothy timid? Yeah. Did he need to work on some things in his life? Yeah. Did he need to settle some issues within the church that there were some false teachers going around? Did he need to stand up for the truth? Yeah. And so what Paul says, listen, Timothy, you are the man of God. I want you to see yourself as a man of God. Men, listen to me. Look up here. I want you to see yourself as a man of God. When you see yourself, that's what God is calling you to be. He's not calling you to be a great golfer. It's not what he's calling you to be. He's, he's not calling you to be perfect at your job. Those are, the, those are fine to do well in different pursuits. That's fine. But your calling is to be a man of God. That's what he desires in your life. So what does it mean to be a man of God? And this is what I love about the letters to Paul because Paul is encouraging Timothy to show him this is what it looks like. And so what he does is he gives him these examples throughout these two books on what it looks like 
to be a man of God and how he encourages him in his walk with the Lord. Can I just say this? We all need people in our lives that encourage us in our walk with the Lord. Guys, if you don't have someone in your life that's encouraging you in your walk with the Lord, let me implore you to get around other Christian men that are going to encourage you, that are going to speak into your life. I can't begin to tell you how thankful I am for men who speak into my life. I am so thankful for men, and especially in my past, in my formative years as growing as a young man in God, those men that spoke into my life, that laid hands on me, that prayed for me. I, appre- I look back and I'm so thankful. I said, God, thank you for those men that I could follow, that I could look at their example, and I could say, that's who I want to be. Let me just say this. If there's not that person in your life, you need to seek it out. You need to be proactive in your life to look for those men of God that are setting the example that you can follow and that there are men in your life that are praying for you. The worst place to be in your life is to be private. That's the worst place to be. Because Satan will do havoc on your life. If you live a private life and don't want anybody in, don't want anybody praying for your needs, don't want anybody knowing the struggles that you're going through, Satan's going to have a field day with you. And the other thing is you're not going to really grow much in your walk with the Lord. We need other men. We need other people that are speaking to us, that are praying for us. So open yourself up to allow God to do those works. So here's what Paul says. 1 Timothy 6, 11-12. Here's what Paul says to Timothy. I love this. Listen to what he says here. He says, but you, man of God... Now, he knows Timothy's Timothy. He doesn't say, you little Timmy who's a fraidy cat or you little Timmy who's timid. No, he says, listen, Timothy, you're the man of God. I like that. He says, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your confession in the presence of many witnesses. Here is your goal. Here is the blueprint for a man of God. Timothy has to deal with false teachers who were making some vain pursuits, who were trying to pad their pockets, who were trying to take advantage of people. And Paul says, no, you're the man of God. And I want you to flee all this stuff. Don't get sucked into their bad teaching. But what I want you to do is I want you to pursue the things that God's called you to pursue. Righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. So here's your goal. So here are the characteristics. I want to use that, this scripture as the platform to jump around in First and Second Timothy. And just to give you four things that I believe Paul brings out in these scriptures of what it truly means to be a man of God. So what are the characteristics of a man of God. These are the things that Paul is encouraging Timothy to pursue. Here's the first thing. A man of God clings to his faith in Christ. A man of God clings to his faith in Christ. That is his foundation, what he believes about Jesus. 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19, he says, Timothy, I love that he calls him his son. It's a very close relationship. 
He said, Timothy, my son, here are my instructions to you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. And may they help you fight well in the Lord's battle. I love this. He says this to him. Cling to your faith. Hold to your faith. Let your faith be the closest thing to you. And keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their conscience. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Hold fast, cling, don't lose your faith. Life is going to get hard. It's not going to be easy. People are going to come against you. But the one thing that you will have that will remain constant through all the turbulence of the world is your faith. And what you believe about Jesus Christ, that will never change. Cling to that. Things will change all around you. People will change. You'll have trials. You'll go through difficult times. He says, listen, your faith, cling to that. Let that be your foundation because that will, that's the thing that is going to get you through this life. So Paul encourages Timothy, listen, don't get, don't get caught up in the things that will take you away from your faith in Christ. Don't go against your convictions. If it is wrong, don't violate the things that you hold dear. Do the right thing at any cost, even if it's the small thing. Do the right thing. Men, do the right thing. Even if it goes against popular opinion and what everybody else is doing, do the right thing. You're with other guys at work, they're telling a dirty joke, walk away. And just call them a bunch of perverts. No, I'm just teasing. Just, just walk away. Do the right thing. Don't violate what you hold is true in your heart. Do the right thing at, at all costs. I, it was interesting. I, there was this TV ad on. I don't know if it's still on, but it was on a while ago. And I loved it. I loved it because it, it, what it spoke to is doing the right things, even in small things. And, and what was inter- it, it, interesting about it is, is, is um, it was a high school basketball game. And the ball was called out, and it was given to the other team. And the one boy who, who touched it um, knew it was out on him, but the refs didn't see it, and it was at the end of the game, and they were going to give the ball to the other team. And so it's a pivotal point of the game, and there's a timeout, and the young man goes to his coach, and he says to his coach, Coach, I touched it. It was out on me. And then the, the coach respected and honored the young man's honesty, and so... He went to the ref and said, it was out on me, and they overturn the call. Keep your conscience clear by clinging to your faith in Jesus Christ. Do the right thing even when no one else is looking. Now, let, let me make it real practical. Many times when we get overcharged for something, we always let them know. Hey, I was overcharged a dime here. We need to make it right, right? Right? Let me, flip, let me flip it a little bit. What if you were undercharged? Do you make it right? And don't go, oh, this is God's blessings. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. They undercharged me. God is good. And you'll walk out. Do the right thing. I want you to understand something here. They may never know about it, but you will. And I believe it is such a good witness when you go back to a restaurant or whatever and they overcharge you, you said, you know what? You, you, you charged me the wrong price here. It should be, it should be this. And, and, I, and I remember one time that happened to me and they're like, oh my gosh, that's so... Listen, it's got nothing to do with them. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the restaurant. It has everything to do with my conscience before the Lord because I'm ultimately serving him. 
It's my relationship with Christ. I want to keep my conscience clear before the Lord because I understand what Jesus did for me. I want my witness to be intact. And I understand it's in those small things that Satan can weasel his way into my heart. And if I can compromise, listen, guys, if I can compromise on those little things, eventually I'll compromise on the large things. Keep your heart and your conscience clear. Cling to your faith. It's your faith that's going to guide you through all these things. Number two, let me give you the second thing that Paul describes as a man of God. A man of God watches their lives closely. I like this. I, I love what Paul is going to speak into young Timothy's heart in 1 Timothy 4.16. I love what he speaks here to Timothy. He says, Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely. Continue in them or preserve in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Isn't it interesting that all these things right now, Paul's never saying, hey, I want, to, I want to call you to be a great preacher. Be a great preacher. Do all the studying you can. Learn all the best illustrations you can. Be the best orator that you can. Notice how he doesn't say any of those things. All these things have to do with what's going on inside. Isn't that interesting? Because Paul knows that if Timothy is working on the inside man, God will bless everything else on the outside. He's wanting to work on that because he want, because what, if we've got this intact, then when compromise and temptation come, we're going to be prepared and ready for those things. But if there's a crack inside, then we know we're going to be easily, we can easily fall to temptation, those things that God doesn't want us to move into. And so what Paul says, he, Paul says to Timothy, preserve them because if you do, you will save both your, yourself and, and your hearers. So, so how do I keep close watch. Here's the most important part of the, the, the chunk of the message here. This is going to save you men from a lot of heartache in the future uh, of making wrong choices. So how do I keep a close watch in my life? Because it's, how many, you know, it's much easier to look at others' lives and what they're doing. It's, it's much easier to fall in the trap of looking over the fence at our neighbor's weeds when our yard is full of them, right? We all do it, don't we? We all look over the fence. Oh, look what happened to this person. Look what happened. To that. Oh, look at they fell. They did this. They're, oh, they're compromising. Blah. And then we, we never look in the mirror at ourselves and say, hey, wait a minute, God. You want me to look at my life. And I believe those are some of the greatest words of wisdom that Paul gives Timothy. Timothy, keep a close watch on your life and the teaching of the word of God. You got to teach it to yourself. Guys, the best thing you will ever do in your life is preach the gospel to yourself. Listen, we need to share the gospel with other people. We need to share the love of Christ with other people. But if we stop preaching the gospel to ourselves, that I'm a sinner that needed saving, that I was lost. And what we do is we get all up in our Bible studies and we want to know, which is great. And we need to know that we need to have sound doctrine, but it's funny how we get up all in this and we don't get all up in this. And so what we end up doing is hiding behind the skirt of our knowledge and what we know, and we ignore our very own hearts and what's going on. And what will happen when we do that? Our faith will become shipwrecked because we'll ignore those things that God is trying to speak to our own hearts. So how do we do that? How do we not fall in the trap of looking over the fence into the neighbor's weeds and not pulling the weeds out of our own hearts? Here's how you guard your heart and watch your lives closely without becoming insensitive to the voice of God. Here's what you do. 
you keep yourself in a constant place of repentance. Keep yourself in a constant place of repentance. Now, what do I mean by that? By just constantly beating ourselves up? I'm no good. I'm no good. That's not what I'm saying. Repentance is this. God, I'm, I, I made a mistake here. And, and, and I need your forgiveness and I need to make a 180 degree change because when we read the word of God and we listen to a message and our hearts are sensitive to that, the, our attitudes, our attitudes should always be God. What are you speaking to me, not the other person? How many of you have ever sat in a message or listened to something you always think, oh, that would be good for this person? Oh man, my neighbor, my neighbor needs to hear this. Pastor, can I have a CD? Because I need to give this to my neighbor. Right? Or, honey, this message was for you, Miss Church. I got a CD for you. This was all about you. So would you listen to it? Okay. Would you go online and listen? We all do it, right? We all think in the back of our heart. Meanwhile, we're ignoring the very message that God wants to speak to who? To us. So when I'm in a constant place of repentance, I'm allowing the word of God to be spoken to me. I'm inspecting my life. I'm watching my life. I'm making sure that, that, that I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit's uh, speaking to me. And this is how you do. Be willing to admit that you're wrong. That's all. Be willing to admit when you are wrong, right? Be willing to, because if you're, if you're willing to admit when you're wrong, it places you in a place of humility that, that says, God, I, I don't know it all. I, I, I do have um, issues in my life and I want to be careful uh, that you're with me and that you're instructing me. So, so be willing to admit when you're wrong because admitting when you're wrong is not really a sign of weakness. It, it's showing actually humility before the Lord I believe so many relationships could easily be healed if each person would be willing to admit and own that they are part of the problem. And so here's where God says, listen, yeah, people may, people may um, hurt you. People may say bad things against you. You may have brokenness in your family relationships. But, but if, if I'm humbling myself before the Lord and I'm repenting before the Lord and if Christ called me to serve him and Christ forgave me when I was least to be forgiven, I need to be the one that's proactive that is trying to mend these relationships, not break these relationships or allow them to be in a continual state of brokenness. Humble yourself before the Lord and just say, God, is there, are there relationships in my family, in my life that are broken that I could go at least offer the ability to say, listen, would you forgive me? I, I, I know I wasn't completely right in this situation. My attitude was bad. Um, I'm harboring bitterness here. Would you just forgive me and try to bring reconciliation? Because that's at the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is reconciliation. Look at number three. Here's the third thing that, that Paul says to Timothy. He says, a man of God sets an example for others to follow. A man of God sets the example for others to follow. I was thinking about this this morning as I was going over my notes again. You are either, you, you, there's either two things going on in your life. Here are the two things going on in your life. Either you're being influenced or you're being an influencer. What are you? 
Do you allow yourself to easily be influenced by the things of the world? Or are you, by your example, influencing people around you? When people look at your life, do they say, man, there is something different about the way you look. You don't, it's not that you have to be preaching. See, there's two, there's a wrong way of doing it. The wrong way of doing it is just preaching to everybody and say, I'm a Christian, you're not, you're going to hell, I'm not, I'm going to heaven, have a nice day, God bless you, right? There's a way of being a jerk about it. And then there's a way of just living your life out by saying, God, I want you to be part of my life. God, I want you to live in my life. God, I, I, I want to be an example to other people around us. I want to love people. I want, I want to do what you've called me to do, where people actually look at your life and say, man, there's something different about that person. Are you being an example for others to follow? Here's what he says in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 3. He says, Then you, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is, you pick other people, you, you invest in their life, see what they're doing, and be an example so that they can follow you. Notice, notice what Paul says is, the things you've heard me say and trust to others to teach to others. How do I do that? Well, it starts with your family. And what you've learned about the Lord, you pass on to your children. You be that example. Be a leader within the church. This could be helping in the youth group or helping our boys in our ranger program on Wednesday night or in children's church. Our boys need a godly example. We had our ranger closing program two weeks ago, and it was great just to see these men that are leading our boys on Wednesday nights, and, and our program goes during the school year, will crank back up in September and runs through June. But it was great to see these men just, you know, these, some of these boys are a handful. Let's be honest. They're, they're, some of them are just a handful, right? And, and you put arrow, bow and arrows, and they're shooting BB guns, and it, it's, it's shootout at the OK Corral some nights here. On Wednesday nights, I wear my bulletproof vest just on Wednesday nights, just in case I'm walking by what the Rangers are doing. But listen, these guys are like, hey, I want to pour my life. And what I love about our Ranger leader, Todd Pursuit, is, um, is Todd Pursuit has two grown girls, yet he's still leading our boys' ministry in the Ranger program. And I just, listen, guys, I want to encourage you. Step up. Get involved in some way that you can say, you know what? I want to help um, with maybe the Rangers on Wednesday night or maybe you. I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to make myself available and allow God to use you in that way to make yourself available so that you can pour your life into somebody else. Our boys, this generation needs to see godly men more than ever before. They need to see men that love Jesus. Men that are, are firm in their convictions about what they Believe, And so I would, just, I would just tell you, man, there are ministries that you can get involved in here where you can pour your life into these, into these young boys so they can see an example of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so, so, so get plugged in, into those areas. And I'm so thankful for you men who um, have, just, have just stepped up and, and work in these different areas. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your service unto the Lord. I think it's so important um, that a church has men that lead in, in that way. And I think it's an ex- a great example of your testimony in Christ Jesus. So I would encourage you just to do that. And here's the last thing. Here's the last thing that, 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 that I love that, that Paul encourages Timothy 
in the example that he gives him, it's this, a man never stops growing in his walk with Christ. And, and here Paul, in 2 Timothy, right at the end of his life, says this to, to, to Timothy. But he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And I love this passage. He says, because all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so what Paul is saying here is, is we just land the plane here on this message. What Paul is saying here is this, is that the word of God is your foundation. It will instruct you in every area of your living. And so he's saying, be diligent in those things. And I would say to you, men of God, I would say to you, be diligent in the reading of God's word. Be consistent in your church attendance. Look at your life and say, what are the priorities in my life? And if those things need to change, then allow God to change the priorities in your life that you may take these steps. So let let the reading of God's word be that priority. Let the consistency, let, let your kids see you saying, man, this is important. This is what's priority for us. I would encourage you to get involved in a Bible study. Um, I believe this summer Bible study we're doing on Wednesday night is going to be important for some of you. I believe this thing can help you. And I believe this, this study can help you grow in your walk with the Lord. So I want to encourage you, if you've never gotten, if you're not plugged into a Bible study, say, you know what? I'm going to take that next step and I'm going to sign up. Listen, you don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to know everything about the Word of God. We're all here learning the Word together. You don't have to say anything. You just come and just learn. And and, and we're going to give you a workbook. We're going to help you each and every day grow in that Word, learn how to study the Bible, learn how to grow deeper, and we're just going to have a whole, whole overview of the Word of God, the Bible itself, and how does it fit into your life? How does Jesus fit into your life through the whole Word of God? And so I want to encourage you to get involved in that. I've, um, I've had the privilege of um, leading a uh, men's Bible study on Thursday morning for the last, I don't know, six, seven, I can't even remember how long we've been doing it for, probably six, seven years. And what I love about, and I know everybody can't make the, the Thursday morning 6.30 Bible study, I, I realize that. But I just want to share with you some of the things that I've been encouraged seeing some of these men that have come into the group that have never been part of a men's Bible study or a deeper Bible study of the Word of God and how these men have grown. So I asked one guy that, that's been coming to our group now for a couple years, and I've just seen him grow tremendously. And this, this man is, is a grandpa, so he's, he's, he's an older saint, but I've seen God tremendously work in, in his heart, and I've seen how he's um, begin to speak and begin to pray out in the group and add meaningful insight into the group. And uh, I, I said, uh, th- this is uh, George Bolton. I said, George, would you just write me a little letter and, 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 and just tell me what God has done in your heart um, since you uh, started coming to the group? And I just want to read what George wrote. Um, he says, the men's Bible studies helped me tremendously in a number of ways. He says, which includes learning more and understanding the Bible better. 
interacting with other men who come to the Bible study and having an in-depth discussion on how we are and, and, and how our learning impacts us in a personal way. It helped me to be less shy and more open, and I'm starting to realize that most of us have very similar thoughts and desires to have closer walks with the Lord. I'm grateful for the bond that I have with those who attend the men's Bible study, and it has also helped me share my testimonies with others as well. And here's somebody who could have easily said, you know what? That's behind me. Here's somebody that says, you know what? With my walk with the Lord, I can never stop growing. And God has something new for me. And God wants me to continue to grow. And that's my prayer for you men, that you will never stop growing. And so I want to ask you, just as we close, what's the next step that God's calling you in your spiritual walk? I think the most important thing you will ever do in your life is work on your pursuit of God. That's what I want to do. And and so what we've done for you um, today, for you men, I want to give you a a gift as you you walk out the door. You know, I could have given you, you know, pocket knife or, you know, nine millimeter Glocks or whatever. I mean, I could have gave you a whole bunch of different gifts. But, but this is just a wonderful man's devotional called Man in the Mirror. I gave these out many years ago. They've kind of revised it. It's a 25th anniversary. Great devotional book. So you walk out the door right to the left or on two tables. Man, pick this up. This is for you. This is a gift from the church for you just to help you in your walk with the Lord. And here's, here's how I want to um, challenge you men for those that maybe haven't, Developed um, that daily reading or getting alone with God or reading his word, I want to challenge you this summer to read this book just to start. If that's you and that's your next start, I want to challenge you just to say, you know what? I'm going to challenge myself to read this devotional every single day. I want to get through this book and I, and I want to do it. And, and each chapter is short. There's devotionals for each one. Um, that can at least get you started, get you in the Word of God to developing that. And then I would encourage you to take the next step of, of, of getting involved in some small group, whether it's the men's group starting on Wednesday night or an Acts group that meets in, in small groups. I want, I want to challenge you. Maybe it's that next step of, of, of serving, using your gifts and talents to, to, to pour into the lives of of young men, and maybe that's working with our rangers. You can sign up online for that too, or youth group, or or children's church, or something that you can say. You know, I want, I I I need to start doing more. I need to take these steps. Let Christ encourage you to do those things. What I love about these passage passages that Paul gives to Timothy, all those things are working on his inside man. Because how many know the world is tough? And the world can beat you up so easily and can get us so discouraged. And if we're not anchored in something, we're going to get blown to and fro by the things of this world. Christ is your foundation. Christ never moves. He wants to be your firm foundation through all the uncertainty of this world. I was just talking to Kathleen the other day, and I'm like, I just count how many years that I've been following the Lord. And I started following the Lord in 1982. 35 years. And we were just, Kathy and I were just talking about just our relationship with the Lord and how much, you know, you reflect over it. And, you know, we're going to be celebrating um, our 27th wedding anniversary next week. And, 
you just look at all the things that you go through and you reminisce and all the things that God takes you through. The one thing that has been so certain in my life through all those years, 27 years of marriage, 35 years of following the Lord, is Jesus never has failed me. He's so good. He's never failed me. He's such a perfect Savior through all my immaturity and bad decisions and blah, 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 right? Jesus has never failed me. He is that firm foundation, that rock that we can always run to. He's a perfect Savior. So, men, let me just challenge you here this morning to step up and be the man that God has called you to be. As Paul said to Timothy, man of God, you are men of God. Let's be the men of God. That God, that God has called us to be. That's the greatest pursuit you will ever do in your life is to take on that challenge. And I know God will bless you for it. Amen? God is good. I want you to stand with me. And um, I want to pray for you, men. And, and we're just going to, we're going to close in song. But I, what I want to do um, as we just sing and as we close in song today, what, what I want to do is I... I want to um, just sing this song about what Christ has done for us. It's all built upon his salvation, his blood that he shed for us. This is a beautiful song. And, and I want you to think about the words and what Christ has done for you and make it personal in your life. And then allow just whatever you feel God is challenging in your heart, whatever next step it is, just heed that step and say, God, I'm going to commit myself to this. And I want you to do what you've called me to do and realize that God is calling you and he's going to equip you and he's going to give you his presence and he's going to give you the ability to do it. You don't have to do it on your own. So, so let me pray for you. Lord, I just um, come before you now and I thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done for us. It, it's all provided for us through your blood. Everything that has given to us has been provided through your cross and that the resurrection shows that, that you indeed are the son of God. And so, Lord, I pray for these men today that you would challenge them and, God, that we would step up to that challenge that, that you are calling us to the greatest pursuit that we could ever pursue in our lives, and that's to pursue you. And so, God, I pray for these men that they would be encouraged, that, God, they would know that there's forgiveness in you even from our past, that the greatest life pursuit is to pursue you. And I pray we would take those steps to do that today. So as we just sing in closing now, May we just be reminded of what Jesus did for us, that he ultimately is our foundation and our security and our rock to help us through all these things in our lives. So we thank you, we love you, and we just ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen, amen. Let's sing this unto the Lord as we close today. God bless you.